I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to episode 143 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings and 10 years ago, I gave up my live stream and career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary singer, songwriter, and musician, Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. Now, as you will have heard many times on this podcast series so far, Paul Weller has a long tradition of supporting up-and-coming music artists. My very special guest on this episode, Nia Wynn, is another huge talent to get his stamp of approval. And it's a real joy to hear her story on this episode of the podcast. Her music takes influence from soul, R&B, jazz, pop and hip hop. She creates something new, something that's uniquely hers. And trust me when I say that her incredible, unmistakable vocals will blow you away with each release and live performance. In our podcast chat, we dig into her recent past to hear about the connections with Paul Weller from a WhatsApp intro that leads to Paul picking Nia up from Woking Station for a songwriting and recording session at Black Barn Studio, otherwise known as Paul Weller HQ, and the creation of her beautiful, soulful song, Turnstiles. Released as a single in June 2018, Paul plays bass, hammer, organ and piano. He sings backing vocals on the song as well. We also chat about live performance. You're here on the podcast near open for Paul at his concert in York in August 2018. You may well have been there, along with supporting him on dates for the rescheduled, rescheduled On Sunset and Fat Pop Tour in 2021. So we dig into the Weller stories on this podcast, but we also dive into an incredible artist and her journey so far. Making music. Writing, inspiration, creativity, and a cracking back catalogue so far. You're going to love this one. Let's get into it. Nia Wynn, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, I'm really looking forward to this because we've talked on the podcast about how diverse Mr. Weller's career and music has been all over the course of the, what, the past 45 years for him. But you're another artist, another really exciting music artist who you're really hard to put in a box. I love that. Like, it's really hard to put you into a category. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm hoping that's a good thing. I think, I think it could be a good thing. Yeah. I think it is, yeah. but it must be that weird thing now because we live in, we don't live in a world, although it's gradually increasing again. I saw HMV getting the Oxford Street store back again. But we don't live in a world where we're flicking through vinyl and CDs so much in a, in a you know in the folk section or the classical yeah. section or the rock and yeah. pop or whatever. But we do live in a world of algorithms. Where would you say that you sit music wise? Or are you just spreading everything? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think it's artists these days now have to constantly grapple with it. You know, if you're kind of straddling beyond one genre, you have to think about it. I'd say for me, I think soul is at the roots of it. But, you know, it's it's kind of somewhere in between soul, kind of retro soul bit of neo soul so it's kind of bridging the gap i suppose with those two things but you know i have a lot of kind of r&b and jazz influences which i suppose is where neo soul comes in because that's a blend of various other bits and pieces yeah (laughs) and even hip-hop we're touching on in places with some of the stuff as well yeah definitely definitely and this i mean i love the fact that Presumably, this is all the music that you love, and then you're creating your own thing. But this is this is music that you ingested, and as a young kid, that you're yeah, yeah. yeah. come from your parents. Um, so it does, I'd say, in part. So my dad is a big Northern Soul fan. Um, I mean, he still does a bit of DJing in Wales now. Um, so I think that the influence of kind of looking to alternative genres that that weren't in the mainstream at that time became kind of a trend in the household growing up i mean he didn't like a lot of the music i started listening to i mean he's not really into blues music for instance um he's not really into hip-hop unless it's kind of a big kind of obscure soul sample in there maybe he just kind of set the precedent for me kind of looking um to alternative kind of music that wasn't just readily out there to a you know a young teenage girl in north wales so yeah i mean i've got young kids so my my eldest is now eight and a half and it's the the half's important in his mind um <laughs> and and six and 
It was around that time that my eldest is now that you first picked up your guitar, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About nine years old. Yeah, exactly. And was that encouragement from your parents? Not really. I think, in fact, you know, none of my family can play a musical instrument. It wasn't even from from that. Um, well, none of my immediate family anyway. I think, I think a lot of kids in my primary school were kind of picking up different instruments and it was kind of like, oh, which one should I try? And I remember there was a little girl in, in my class that told my mum, oh, I don't think Nia suits guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I was the only girl. We used to, you know, sit in a little uh, circle with all these boys playing kind of on classical guitars. Um, so that, yeah, that's kind of where it started. So you were properly learning music and how to read music, were you? Well, I wouldn't say that. It was more kind of, yeah. Yeah, well, reading guitar tabs, it wasn't reading music, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the kind of the standard stuff that kids learn right at the beginning. Um, there was no kind of freedom in choosing what you wanted to learn. So I did I did all of that. And then it wasn't until like I was a teenager where I could kind of have a bit more freedom what I wanted to learn with a teacher. Um, yeah. <laughs> And your voice is, I mean, it's so unique. And I was out last night in London at a launch event for um, some friends of the podcast, actually, a book of um, Stuart Deebill and Mark Baxter. And there was a lad, you might know, actually, a guy called Dan Ash, who's otherwise known as Teenage Waitress. Um, and I was, he was saying, like, who's coming up on the podcast? And Teenage I Waitress, that's great. Yeah. And I'm, he's like, who's coming up on the podcast? And I mentioned you and he's like, oh, her voice is just, oh. I, was like, I was like, I know, it's just... It's it's so uniquely you, and it's beautiful. But where was that something that you discovered that oh, I can sing? Oh, great! <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I was playing guitar from you know as a little kid. I didn't really sing. That wasn't something that I didn't think, you know, I didn't think I could do. Um, I think I I couldn't do it at the beginning. I was just persevering. <laughs> Um, it's probably everyone's annoyance and yeah I just, yeah, I just gave it a go and I just thought you know I enjoy this and, and that kind of paired at the same time with me learning covers and trying to songwrite and all of that um, and it just it just went from there really I think it was when I was in early teen years kind of thing needed to get that angst out somehow I remember interviewing Ann Weller so Paul's mum on the podcast and she talks about Paul as being like similar journey to you like in terms of you know picking up the guitar and he had the Beatles songbook and they're you know playing around in the bedroom and all that kind of stuff um, but she talks about this this really shy kid who that you just couldn't imagine him being on a stage performing music and yeah. would that be this, the case with you as well was it a surprise to your family your parents that actually this is something you, you know when you started doing that and getting up and singing and stuff no one's ever asked me that i think it's a really good question i, I think maybe in part yes i wasn't necessarily shy but i think i struggled socially quite a lot i was very into football at the time as well so i was kind of like you know I'd pursue my passions and they tended to be passions that would be a bit different to most little girls in my class, for instance. I think they're not surprised. They weren't surprised in that, you know, I kind of wanted to forge my own path and do my own thing. And perhaps that that was in fitting with that. But maybe it's a surprise in, in other ways. Definitely. I think it's still a surprise to me. <laughs> So, <laughs> and that, um, I mean, again, we'll talk about the Weller connections in a sen in a second. But one thing I also thought that the two of you have in common is that love of style, that the fashion and things is really important yeah. to you as well. Yeah, it's definitely important to me. I think it's always been important to me, but even more so now that I think when you have, you know, eventually you have a, your own income, and then you kind of decide, right, that's what I want to spend my money on. I want to you know, go sifting through vintage clothing and I kind of have, you know, my my home body, um, you know, what I'm wearing right now is kind of an Adidas jumper and I'm I'm relaxing at home. And then, you know, when I step out and I'm doing music, I kind of want to feel, I want to feel like myself as an artist. So I do take a lot of kind of pride and in, in, in thinking about style. And, you know, that's something that I think Paul has inspired in me. Um, definitely, you know, He's a fashion icon, you know, it's, it's, yeah. So let's talk about Mr. Weller. When did you discover his music? You mentioned that like, some of the music you were into when you were growing up was, mm. was, was older, like, you know, older yeah. soul, Motown, stacks, that kind of thing. But Definitely. were you a Weller fan? Was his music part of your, something you'd listen to? Yeah. So I've been exposed to it a little bit as a teenager. I'm, I'm probably a bit more, obviously, you know, I think, I think most people have been exposed to the jam, but I think the style council was more, more so my bag. And then some of his, uh, you know, solo albums in particular. I think that was what I was kind of um, 
been drawn to him more so yeah because that's just kind of in keeping with you know that was his real hardcore kind of soul alternative phase so yeah and were you have you ever seen him live before the connection with Paul no, I'm really interested no. in so okay only so this- uh, only on you know I'd watch the YouTube videos of him singing with Amy Winehouse and what have you so that that was kind of my first um seeing what he was like live and I bet that was a big thing because I would imagine that Amy Winehouse was a huge thing for you as well yeah so. definitely definitely Definitely. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to uh, Mark Cooper, who is going to be, I think, is the next podcast after this one with, the, with you. He was the exec producer of Later. He created the format with Jules Holland. Oh, and we had a big conversation about that performance, that Amy Winehouse and Weller mm-hmm. performance and how special that was. So, but yeah, amazing. Uh, so the first connection with Paul, how does that come about? Yeah, talk me through that story. So it, w- it was, um, it was via my manager at the time. He had previously managed another band that maybe had supported Weller at a gig. Um, it was, it was a bit convoluted, but yeah, my manager at the time messaged Paul and just said, look, I've got this artist that I'm working with. I think you might like her. Maybe you could, you know, help out if you wanted to do a studio session. And yeah, he, he was thankfully all for it. Um, and we kind of set up. I had, had Paul Weller on WhatsApp. It was quite strange. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was, it was your phone strange. as? The Mod Father or yeah. PW? Or? No, no, no. Paul Weller. Paul Weller. <laughs> Absolutely. Full name. Yeah, uh, that, that was quite strange. And, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we managed to get a studio um, session in. I did a couple and, you know, I had I had the kind of bare bones of a song that um, I wanted to, to work on with him and, and he was feeling it. And then, we, yeah, we went from there, really. Prior to, so the WhatsApp gets set, set up, but had Paul, Paul presumably has heard your music before he dives into... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and did he yeah. give you any thoughts, any feedback, any, like, this is what I love or...? He just, he just said that I have really kind of unique voice and that he was really into it and you know I I was feeling optimistic about this because I know that he he's passionate about supporting young artists he's he's not the kind of guy that's kind of you know go up the ladder and cut the you know cut the rope behind you kind of thing he's 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 one of those people that invests in you know the next generation to to do music and he's he, yeah, he's really on board with that. So I felt quite optimistic when all this was set up. And <laughs> it must give that must give you a huge amount of confidence oh, as well, yeah, because definitely. I think we've talked on the podcast about. I mean, so many of us have discovered artists like Stone Foundation or Villagers mm. and Young Fathers through mm. little recommendations or Paul working with them or whatever. And you would have seen that as well, right? So it's, yeah, so, yeah, so, definitely. But suddenly definitely. that boost as an artist, you're like, oh. God. Most definitely. And in fact, I think through his recommendation, you know, reading his interviews and that, he, you know, he was big up Duran Jones and the indications and I'd heard of them, but I hadn't listened to their music. And I'm not only a fan, but I ended up working with their guitarist on a song of mine and, you know, we've become friends and like, you know, you're quite right. Like people take his recommendations as gospel kind of like, this is something I need to look into, you know. which which is like an incredible power of influence and i do think he 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 doesn't like he values that as well i think because he doesn't just kind of give that away freely do you know what i mean he's not recommending anybody and everybody it's like he's really specific about you know he has to really love something to want to talk about it to the press and stuff so that's such a massive compliment isn't it? yeah it was it was and i think yeah i always need compliments (laughs) <laughs> well, don't we all? Don't we all? Now, look, let's talk turnstiles. So this was released in June 2018. That's it, um, yeah. How far out before release were you in the studio? And it was a black barn, presumably. It was, yeah. I think it was actually, it was January. So um, we did a session there. We did all of the recording. Um, and then there was another session where we did the kind of mixing as well. Yes, yeah, so it was two sessions and yeah, January. So yeah, five, five, six months. And was it snowy on the ground in Ripley? Cause it's a beautiful place, isn't oh it? Oh my Randall? God. You know what? I can't remember. Pissing in rain. <laughs> it, um, I just, I just remember, I think that that day felt a bit like a blur, I suppose, really. Cause you know, I was, I was super nervous. He picked me up from the train station in his car <laughs> and he was like, you know, go through this, um, tra- uh, this entrance um to Woking because don't go around the back because I don't want you to have to see how you know it was a bit run down at the time oh, right. um, oh, I mean the, I have the pride really of been... his locality I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't think I've ever been to Woking since so I, I don't I can't comment on what it's like but um yeah yeah I think um it, it was it was quite a surreal day and also just you know it was not just the process of going into the studio with him it was also at the time, you know, I'd been in music studios before, quite a few, but 
go into his seeing all the memorabilia you know i was taking all of that in as well <laughs> that was another element of it yeah it was you as a fan seeing all yeah. this stuff yeah. and and it's and it's a beautiful studio i mean I, is, I had been lucky enough to go down and cool. for one of the interviews that um the head roadie rog yes yeah, and it's an amazing place and presumably as an artist to you know stepping into that studio it's kind of it's got a bit of magic around it as well but you mentioned that you had like the bare bones of turnstiles then so what did you have what when you were going into the studio what was done what was ready so i had um it wasn't and back then it wasn't really what i do now where i kind of you know i produce demos or i I start producing songs now or i produce it on my own it was literally that i kind of had a very rough thing recorded on logic of um just the verse and the chorus and then maybe some lyrics in second verse but it wasn't fully finished i definitely didn't have um you know a bridge or a middle eight and that was something that I wanted to do. And then it was kind of just being able to put it all together. And of course, kind of the production, because that was where Paul came in really strongly. And and that's what the song really benefited from. And also, I think he's talked a lot about how his process has changed over the years. You know, he, he wouldn't go into the studio until he had the song really nailed, the lyrics nailed, the music nailed and whatever. But since I think 22 Dreams, he's talked about kind of this evolution of how he processes things. Yeah. So so that kind of approach is, I guess you're mirroring that way. It's not, you're, you're working it and shaping it together. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is strange. And actually saying this now, like yesterday I had a, a writing session and we'd started writing the lyrics and then I was, feeling like, oh, let's start, you know, tracking instruments and then I'm sure the rest of the lyrics will come to me. But he was, you know, gently encouraging, no, let's get all the lyrics down. And that was something I I realised in myself, actually, I felt quite uncomfortable with that because I'm not used to doing that. But it was worth the while because we got we came away with a full song and I don't think like much of the lyrics will be changed. Like um and then we were able to just get everything down. So I think sometimes working with other people really does push you to kind of go against your normal habits. And it can be really for the greater good. There's also that thing of, I think with your lyrics as well, you're very open and there's a kind of, um, I guess you're opening yourself up to somebody else if you're co-writing together. This this kind of, I don't know, there must be that vulnerability there, isn't there? Are they going to judge the words that I've written? Are they going to see yeah. inside my soul, Christ? You know, that kind of thing as well, yeah? Definitely. And I think that that's when writing with other people, when you're there and then writing the lyrics, that's something that I guess it depends on the song. If it feels like you're writing a story about somebody else or something that is widely relatable to a lot of people's turnstiles, I think is it is personal, but it's also very it's a soul love song, you know, like it's a lot of people can relate to it. It's a bit easier. It's a bit more comfortable. But there are some songs that I've written where I couldn't imagine sitting with another person in the room. Yeah, that's quite hard to do that. Yeah, and I would imagine those types of songs as well. Even when you then present them to the public, and it's like it's out there. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Yeah, that nervousness of like, like a song like "Who Asked You?" Where you, yeah, 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 you know, you're putting that type of song out there where you're talking about mental health and things like that. It's yeah. like uh, that. There must be that thing of like, is this all right? You know, because it's still, yeah. things that like, you're talking about in your music are still taboo subjects, r- ridiculously. Yeah, I think I think so. I think, and it's funny with mental health and music. There's you know, there's much bigger conversation happening about it now but what i would say is that with not just with music but i suppose with like you know charity campaigns about time to talk and that and and it's fantastic that you know you have these awareness days people are more willing to talk about it now but there is still a big stigma with particular mental illnesses i think you know people are more forthcoming in talking about depression and anxiety but when it comes to things like i guess personality disorders even ocd to some extent psychosis mania you know all of those kind of things they tend to be I think for a lot of people, maybe a bit too far, a bit too uncomfortable. Mm. And some of those experiences are, are things that I've had. And for me, I, you know, there is still a little bit of initial kind of, oh, is this going to be received badly? Are, gonna, are people going to think this about me? And then I'm just kind of like, screw it. I try to be authentic as possible because, you know, it's not just about the music for me. It's that's how I express myself and process emotions. So it's important for me to be authentic in that. I guess also you're building this catalogue of work now and you want it to be true to you, right? It's like when you're you're, you're looking back on this in, in a career like Paul's, you're looking back on this 45, 50 years time. Yeah. yeah. You want to feel that you actually you were doing the work that you wanted to do and and putting the stuff out there in the world that was that was of value to you yeah definitely definitely 
that's really true. Actually, I haven't thought about that. It's true. You want to be able to look back and say, actually, yeah, I was speaking my mind then. And even if it's something that's changed, because, you know, it's important yeah. to not be afraid of that. You want to still be like, I stuck by that. Um, yeah, definitely. So the other thing with Turnstiles is not only are you witnessing Paul in action with the production and help, you know, supporting on the lyrics and, but he's also playing and obviously he's a fabulous yeah. musician as well. So what was it? He played bass. Was it Hammond organ? Yep. Bass, Hammond organ. I believe there might have been the piano on there as well. I mean, when we were, when we were uh, writing the middle eight, I was sat in a room with him playing the piano. It is very strange, very strange <laughs> thinking back to now, you know, now thinking about it. So yeah, and there was um there was a bit of drums on there as well. And of course the backing vocals as well. Of course. Yeah, I was <laughs> um, gonna say a bit of well as singing as well. Yeah. yeah, which was something I was particularly pleased about having uh, added onto there. Yeah. Very easy to close up in that situation, I would imagine. And, and this is my fear about the final podcast interview, which was obviously meant to be with Mr. Weller. Where yeah. You just suddenly freeze and can't do anything. And I just basically go, big fan, big fan. And that's it, you know. <laughs> no, I think, I think, you know, you get, you get into it. it I don't oh. know. I struggle with kind of engaging with other people anyway, which could be seen as a barrier. But like when, when I go into those spaces, I try and kind of think, well, I'm an artist. This is what I'm supposed to do. I try and put on that persona. And it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. But yeah, I was, I was still shitting myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's well, not a, play that down. <laughs> it's a lovely, lovely single. We'll put details in the show notes so people can hear it. But I also want to talk about so much other stuff as well. Let's talk about live. We'll come back mm. to the, the recording. There was a whole world of pain, obviously, around COVID and lockdown and gigging going on tour and stuff. But there was this announcement that Paul was going to do. I think I'm right in saying this is the first time that we had announced you were supporting yeah. him. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, the ensemble. Well, there, there was actually one other gig. 2018 or 19 I supported him in in York it was like a one-off one so that was my first experience but yeah you're, you're right in saying that first tour being involved in that so yeah okay well let's talk about York I wasn't unaware of that one so uh, <laughs> so was this off the back of the single obviously yes. being recorded but yeah. being released as well yeah that's it that's it yeah, yeah. okay yeah. and so um and was it just part of his normal tour but you on that you did about one-off gig yeah just did the one-off um I think it was the Barbican in York Oh, yeah, nice. so, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Take me through those feelings. You're about to step on the stage. This is a Weller gig. I mean, it's not like the old days where back in the jam days when Banana Rama supported, for instance, they just got booed and heckled because everybody just wanted the jam. It's a nicer environment now, right? <laughs> it is a nicer environment, although there, there was one heckler on one gig I'll tell you about afterwards. Um, yeah, which unfortunately happens, I think, to a lot of people with support acts. Um, but the York gig was really fantastic. I had, it was kind of my first band, like for session musicians. Um, yeah, it was it was just a really special experience. Um and you know, my dad came along to to meet Paul. Yeah, and yeah, I think he was he was really kind of excited about that as well. Yeah, I think it was the first, you know, I'd done some opening kind of support act slots for bigger artists, but this was the first kind of big, big one, you know, where you get catering and you know you're actually looked after, there's a process you have to follow. Yeah, it was really special. And I think also it was really, it was really informative for me of like what those gigs are like, but in a, in a safe way, not kind of having to, oh, you know, when you have to learn the hard way of how something works, like it was a really safe and, you know, well looked after uh, situation where I was able to learn what, um, I'm really sorry, my cats are uh, <laughs> biting in quite a big way. Um, yeah, there's that. I think it, it was, it was a really a good learning moment for me. Yeah, definitely. That's nice to hear. Well, Bill Wheeler and Kenny Wheeler, who listen to the podcast, will be really keen to hear that. Yeah, the tour yeah, management definitely. crew. We'll, we'll love hearing that as well. So, and they missed a the trick there by not getting your dad to DJ beforehand. You could have got oh double bubble, God, right? Yeah, yeah, but he would have loved that. I think he wasn't, <laughs> not sure if he was actually doing the DJing then. Um, he'd gone back to it because he usually goes to Wigan Casino. As, oh, um, wow, really? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, from Anglesey in North Wales over to, to Wigan. So um, I think he's recently got back into it over the last three or four years. So, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I love it. Okay, so let's talk on Sunset then. This fabulous okay. album comes out from Mr. Weller. There was the announcement of the tour, as you would expect, and from Sunset, and that you were going to be supporting Paul, mm. which must have been just like, oh, my God, what a buzz for you as an artist, right? Definitely, definitely. I mean, it was the first proper tour that was going on. Um, and also to know that, you know, I was, I was going to be able to support him and go through that process. It, yeah, it was really exciting. It felt like, oh, this is, this is a big moment, definitely. 
And then obviously the whole thing goes on hold. We get these multiple <laughs> lockdowns. Doesn't bloody happen. And then Paul goes back into the studio or works remotely with his band members mm. and creates another album, Fat Pop. So that on Sunset tour doesn't really happen. And I think he did have visions of doing something a bit different with it. I'm not entirely sure from what I've read, yeah, but sure, um, sure. it's such a, an amazing album. But luckily, when it all gets rescheduled, it calms down, obviously, 2021, and you're back there. Yeah, and that that felt really kind of strange as well, because, you know, there, there were moments where we were thinking we were waiting for, I guess, the confirmation that things were being cancelled or not um, in terms of the specific, this specific tour. Yeah, it, it, it was very strange. In March 2021, I believe it, that one got postponed. Yeah, I think you were right. I think maybe it got yeah. postponed again, didn't so it? That, yeah. It got postponed twice. And every moment, you know, I was looking at other tours and I was seeing, okay, this one's being cancelled. And then this one's supposed to be, you know, the Paul Weller tour is supposed to be two months after that. There's a high chance it's going to get cancelled. It was very strange. And then eventually we got the go ahead in the November of 2021. That was when we, we, um, we did it. Although that wasn't without um, hiccups as well, but. Yeah, because I went to dates on that tour. I think that's the one where it did end short, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, so fortunately, we did the first four or five. Fantastic. I'm so glad that the bulk of the ones that I got to do was like right at the beginning. And then I believe that the Lathams or the Lathams were doing the kind of middle supports. And then we were due to come back to join Paul for the last three. And those were the ones that got cancelled. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In terms of you as a live performer, so as a solo artist, you've not got a band around you the whole time. So how does that, your cat's saying hello, yeah. you've not got a band around you the entire time that are working with you day in, day out. So how no. do you, do you have to go out to the market to recruit them? Are they people you knew anyway? The musicians that I worked with on that tour and actually have worked with going forward were people that I contacted and kind of connected with over particularly over instagram over lockdown so you know we sat with nothing to do at the same time feeling like there was everything that needed to be done in lockdown and i I decided to kind of use that time to connect with you know other musicians other writers but then also you know session musicians so that i had an idea of who i wanted to see would work with each other and were up for doing it so as soon as we were able to we we got into rehearsals and you know some people then weren't able to do the tour and then other people were so then we ended up getting the core of musicians and you know i still work with some of them going forward as well so that that has been really positive that there were fantastic session musicians that worked with on that tour and it's been nice to have that long-lasting relationship and then we get another one last summer where Mm. the festival circuit's always fun i'm going to pronounce this wrong and people who live there will crucify me but i would say litham but yes i think it is okay yeah yeah, it is litham festival litham festival so this was the charlatans um lottery winners who i don't think are actual lottery winners this is a band name folks um (laughs) And Weller headlining, but then you on the bill of that as well. That yes. must be great to get that invite. Yeah, you know, we're talking like almost um, you know six months on to still 100%. be a connection. You know, hundred percent. Because before then, we did the two rescheduled dates of the the ones that got um, postponed. Money wise, I was only able to um, do that with a guitarist. Um, just me, me and him, which is fantastic. But it's not always, you know. I I love it when I'm able to perform with a full band. So to be able to go back to Lytham Festival with a full band, and also the size of the, you know, the site, um, the, the scale of the event was really, really, really enjoyable. Does it feel like as an artist when you those things start happening, and that same year you you play Glastonbury as well? Yeah. Does it feel like you start when you start getting that momentum? Like, do you feel like there's almost like wind beneath your wing? Oh, that's is that so terrible? So, <laughs> wind in your sails. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wind in your sails is a better phrase. Yeah, um, yeah, but do yeah. You feel like you're building this momentum. You're building your fan base, and it's growing. Yeah, I think so. I'm 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 trying to keep as consistent as possible. And I'm not cynical, but I'm I'm just also trying to keep myself on the ground because I think 
people's attention spans are short, you know, and then there's always new things coming out. So as artists now, the way things work, how saturated it is, you know, you have to constantly just keep going. And last year was a really good year. It felt really good, you know, being able to play Lytham, Glastonbury and Latitude. And, and then this year has been really positive for different reasons. Like, I, you know, I'm focusing more on online content and also, of course, recording and writing this new EP. And in a way, so far, the, the first half of this uh, year, you know, I've not been playing live shows as much because I've been focusing my efforts on other things. And then it will come back round, hopefully. So I guess, you know, both years have felt good, but good in different ways in a way it's such a different model now though isn't it but um when i say, when I say that at the beginning of this year you've almost done style council type thing where you've you know every month we've got or very frequently we've got yeah, a different yeah. single and these yeah. would have been seven inches that we'd queued into the shops for, but mm. they're, they're now downloads and yeah. it's i mean it's so hard to make a thing out of that like a career and money out of that type of model isn't it it is and one of my friends who i've worked with shuko he described it as like that's your pension your pension is, you know, the songs that you've released that slowly kind of accumulate royalties and what have you. It is really strange. And, and I think, you know, the digital DSPs, as you call it, Spotify, Apple, the industry wants to see you do EPs and albums. But then at the other side of it is that Spotify, Apple, and also people listening tend to prefer, I think, you know, a lot of people prefer singles and constant stream of music me you know i like both i like the ability to to listen to an artist that's just said right i'm putting out this standalone single but then i also love projects and and concepts and and, and full bodies of work as well so yeah it's really hard to toe the line between the two but what i'm seeing now is that you know just being consistent and putting out music regularly i get itchy feet if i don't do it anyway so it's also that thing of like so many, many people listen to music in such, you know, such different ways, like you say, of that album EP model, whereby you'll pop up in a playlist, for mm, instance, and yeah. there will be you know that one track, for instance, and and that might be people's discovery. Who you hope where they'll go, okay, well, I like this. Let me find, let me dig into the yeah. back catalog, find out more, and whatever. But you have to almost be you're the singer, the songwriter, you're making the music, you're producing a lot of your own stuff as well. But you also have to be the marketing specialist and yes. have your TikTok channel and like all yes. that stuff now as well, don't yeah. you? Tell me about it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you know what? Like, I've spent so much money on different marketing and what have you. And I think sometimes at, at this earlier stage, you know, when you're not under a major label, it's it's not worth it. It can feel not worth it. And, it's and you know, better results being more authentic and doing it myself. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a control freak. I like, to, I like to do a lot of things myself. So that's kind of convenient in that sense. But you know what? It is very tiring because it does leave less time to actually do the, the creating. But the producing is, is super fun. And that's just something that I've really enjoyed delving into more and just having the confidence to say, actually, I can do this. And I've kind of been doing this the last couple of years, but never used to say it that way. But now I feel comfortable saying it. I guess also then you're not relying on anybody else, are you? And can that's great. Right, yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> can create, yeah, yeah, which I like that as well. It's like, sure, somebody, somebody asked me the other day at a podcast event, they're like, um, what happens after you do the recording? And it's like, no, 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 this is all me. It's all <laughs> like, me. One yeah. man band. Exactly. And I made an announcement, which was a bit of a joke. When I got to 100 episodes, I, I made an announcement that I'd been renewed for 50. And people were sending me notes, congratulating, going, oh my God. It's, and I was like, no, 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 yeah. you know, I'm just renewing myself. This is just... An employee of the month. Over <laughs> yeah. Here, <totally>. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a certificate, mate. That's yeah. A, a little, a little picture, frame that's a, it. That's everything. a great idea. <laughs> now, look, what a start to 2023. You mentioned that um, you're doing things a little bit differently and we'll get, mm. you know, get back to the gigging soon and stuff. So we had Algorithms in January, which was yeah. this collaboration with... Evil genius, who I'm a big fan of. I'm going to pronounce this wrong as well. Is it Jarky Jarky Mono? I see. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. You, you, you're nailing the pronunciation today. And um, I really like that song. That's a really terrific song. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so, how did you connect with the, the three of you as a collaboration? So that song was actually done. I think it was in between the first and second lockdown. It was done quite. You know, we worked on it quite a while ago. I think, you know, I was supposed to write a, a second verse on it and it just it just wasn't coming. And then, you know, other music took precedence. And then I've met Jarky through other bits and pieces. And actually, even Old Genius had a, an established relationship with him as well. And we just thought he'd be perfect to jump on this. 
it was a really fun song to do and you know we did a little video and that was a great time shooting it as well I do love collaborating with other artists I do really love doing that I find it really enjoyable and I think it does it's, it's enriching um, for your own songwriting as well it also brings a little bit something different so you, you know, yeah. definitely we can hear you within that it's, it's clearly got your stamp all over that song but you're getting other elements of different things and I guess it's you know it's yeah it's really exciting but then I remember doing a so we, we started doing like a little mu- music show at the beginning of this year called Cobb web connections and it was artists who had Paul Weller connections and but it was new music so this is all about new music and I and I did a show in January which featured this single right and then I did one in February and it's like we're straight in there's another one Tough Love came out and that was your I think I'm right in saying your first self-produced song at that time yeah properly yeah I mean uh, there, there was a previous song um, on my Take a Seat long EP that was like an outro so it was it was shorter but this one felt like my proper first yeah that that was ready to go straight after Algorithms and it's that thing again like I say you know, you're doing all the other stuff so I think you, when you're doing the artwork and you know, videos and things like that you yeah. have to kind of create all the I mean I suppose not having to but choosing to oh um, definitely yeah yeah that was that was a new experience for me because you know previously I've organized things you know in terms of artwork production mixing mastering I've done all of that organization um historically but then doing actually doing a lot of that myself was yeah it was strange but I I enjoyed it because you know I could just go through the process on my own Yep, my cat is making himself known. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, ba- you're about to get your cat arse in your face. So yeah, so. pretty much. Well, you are, actually. Oh, lovely. No, I did. That beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Months later, again, another drop. Yes. This is what, this is what we call it these days. Right? drop, uh, yeah. Another drop. Very trendy. Uh, yeah, thanks. I know I should call more. And then when I read about the story, this was about your grandmother, was that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And when I started reading, I was like, I can't read about this story anymore. So when you tell me about this, I'm going to have tears in my eyes. But tell me about the story of, of this, the making of this song. Um, so this song I, I wrote quite a while ago. I mean, my my nine, which is what we call it in Wales. Um, so my grandmother, she's still unwell with Alzheimer's. It's been since the start of the pandemic. So I think I started writing this, process my feelings about knowing that this this was happening for her and my family and you know it's still ongoing and in fact around the time that we you know released that song she was particularly unwell and it felt is this kind of around the end time um and it hasn't been but it's 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 very hard to think about day to day and yet it is always on my mind and it's one of those illnesses i think that has huge emotional repercussions for everyone involved yeah and i, I wrote a the bridge in Welsh, which was another first for me as well. So, you know, I, I learned Welsh growing up in school, but not to the point of fluency by any means. And then I've spent this last year kind of relearning Welsh in London Welsh Centre, which has been fantastic. Oh, oh, great. Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. And now I only speak to my dad's mum in Welsh like, to try and get into it more. So, yeah, I had a little bit of help from my Welsh tutor um, at London Welsh just to check that I was saying what I thought I was saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not just offend, offending the entire exactly. nation. Yeah. <laughs> and I, want, I wanted to put that in Welsh because the first time that she went into hospital with Alzheimer's, you know, with falls and things like that, the first time she went into hospital, it was really odd because we heard from the, the staff because, you know, we weren't allowed to visit it at that time. We heard from the staff that she was only communicating in Welsh, which was really strange because, you know, even though she's a fluent Welsh speaker, you know, most of the time she's, you know, speaks people in English. So I think I just had that in, in my head that I wanted to do something around that. Yeah. Nice. Well, no, it's, and it's a lovely song. I mean, beautifully Thank summed you. up in like three minutes of that perfect pop song length. You know, it's yeah, it's a lovely song, and it's um, yeah. My my granddad passed away last year. My oh, my, my nan the other side, and it was. You think you have all the time in the world, don't you? And you're like, shit. Yeah, I really should have. You know. But yeah. anyway, it's a, yeah. no, it's a lovely piece of work. But is the idea to are these leading up to an EP with them all on, or a, like a yes. physical release? Yeah. So not unfortunately not a physical release, just because okay. you know funds permitting and all of that, but certainly yeah leading up to an ep in fact i've got you know a song coming out next wednesday which would be the the third of may and that's going to be the final single on the ep and there'll be a couple of other tracks on there that are part of the ep so the time of the podcast release this will be tomorrow folks okay and this is called the grind and that's all i know about this song so far we haven't heard anything we've not had anything is it going to be is it i should probably send you that yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> is it, is it going to drop on that? I'm, I'm saying like I know you the lingo. You right? can't help yourself now, okay? 
but it, <laughs> are we going to get us anything before that date or it's literally boom there it goes and it's suddenly no, available so no, on that there date have, there have been snippets um, on, on TikTok and Instagram and I mean we've got um, a music video that we shot for it as well which, which was a big project in of itself um, but there'll be snippets and I'll send it to you over email after oh, this anyway it. yeah yeah but yeah but, that song is featuring um, an artist called Prit so she's um, a Tamil UK R&B artist and we actually met because I went back to Wales to perform at a gig and we were sharing the bill. And, you know, I live in North London, she lives in South London and we kind of made that connection and thought, let's do a song together. And when I heard her vocals, I thought, God, she's, she's perfect for this. Cause that again was a song that I was kind of sitting on in some way for a while. I love that. And it's also that, that I love the no fear in this. Like, that was terrifying me. Like, okay, I'm going to reach out. We're going to suddenly collaborate on something <laughs> together. And was she involved in the writing or was it like you wrote it and then you went, actually, I want you to do this bit? Yeah, so I had written my parts and I told her that this is the, my concept of the song and she wrote her own verse from her own perspective. And, and a big thing I wanted, I guess, with, because Prit does Carnatic vocals, so kind of, um, the, you know, the Desi South Asian particular style of singing and it's mesmerizing. Like, I honestly don't know how it's done. Like, the notes that are found in that style of singing, I don't know where they're finding those notes. It's fantastic. So Prit does that. In her own music because she's classically trained in Carnatic vocals and, and that was something that I really wanted to kind of feature in the track as well so it does which is really cool nice oh well look, we're really looking forward to hearing that yeah. the, um, we'll put in details in the show notes for all this stuff and keep us up to date as well and we'll keep updating it so Definitely. people can find the, the music But um, and then in terms of Mr Weller on the WhatsApp is he still mm. in contact does he hear stuff does he feedback on stuff has he gone cold What's the what's the situation? No, so he hasn't he hasn't gone cold. I mean, I spoke to him um, maybe a, a few months ago and just checked in to see how he was doing. We've been saying for some time that we we'd get back into the studio, but I think you know how it is. It's kind of like um, you know it, he's a very busy man. So well, he's uh, in there in there doing a triple album at the minute. I'd imagine so. Yeah, another ten <laughs> albums in the space of twelve months. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I, I will be always ready um, waiting if um, you know I'm lucky enough that he wants to do another session. But to be honest, you know, he's very he's very kind of approachable, despite you know <laughs> who he is. That. If I feel like I need a device on something, whether that's musically or in kind of in terms of business wise, I do feel like I can always approach him, which feels really nice. Mm. I did actually speak to him outside of music once where I'd gone to a shop and, you know, they had Paul Weller memorabilia everywhere. And, um, my partner was kind of like, Oh, you should tell, tell the woman at the shop that you've worked with Paul Weller. You know, see if we can get a discount. And I was like, shut up, stop it. And uh, <laughs> she, she mentioned it. And the woman was like, oh, yes, Paul was in here the other week. And uh, I texted him and I said, oh, you know, this woman said that. And he said, was I fucked? <laughs> <laughs> I did not go into that shop. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When you look at somebody like Paul with that career and that back catalogue, like I say, like 45 years, that must be inspiring as a young artist, the way he's constantly evolving and pushing forward and doing new things. That particularly I think when I first started my, uh, I guess my musical career, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, you're doing too, you know, you, you stick to one genre, you're doing too many, you know, people don't understand what, and I think with, with, uh, women artists, I think it's often kind of seen as, oh, she's just, she just needs to find her way a bit more. She needs to figure out what she's doing. Whereas I noticed with young men, it's kind of, oh, they're yeah. very multi-talented and, and <laughs> yeah, visionary. Yeah. Um, so I think when, when I, you know, met him and worked with him a big thing that i admire about paul is that his ability and willingness to be open-minded in music and evolve and be able to put out music in various different styles but still have his artistry at the core of what he does that was something that i find really inspiring and still do and that i think you know working with him really gave me the conviction that i'm like okay i should just continue doing what feels right for me as an artist so yeah that, that's definitely really important takeaway for me you mentioned you were going to tell me about the heckler oh yeah yeah do you know what i didn't actually hear the heckler at the time it was one of the shows that was the rescheduled 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 show and me and jason taurus that i work with we went up there in fact do you know what we were supposed to do two dates. The first one we had to pull out of because my absolute shitty first car broke down oh, on the way to Lincoln. Yep. Oh, no. um, on, the, was, on the day of the gig? 
Yes, yes, oh. indeed. Yep. So we were supposed to do Lincoln and Cambridge and, you know, we'd driven, we were pretty much half away from Lincoln, uh, half an hour away. And, uh, yeah, my, my engine packed up. So RIP. Peugeot 307. <laughs> oh, I had one of those. It was also shit. Yeah. It was, it was a very large car for a very small person. I don't know. You know. I look back now, I see that car on the road and I'm like, fucking hell, how did I drive that? How did I park it? Which I didn't, you know, I drive around the corner to find a convenient parking space because I can't parallel park. Anyway, so that, um, yeah, it, it was awful that day. Uh, it was so, it was, if you laugh about it now, I think I can laugh about it now, but it was, it was so awful because, you know, we were, we were kind of coming to the terms with, right, this is not happening. We can't do the gig. But also, we're going to have to wait five hours for the AA, which was pretty much what it was to be chauffeured back to London. Oh, oh, um, no, eating that's a heartbreaking. Back of uh, the AA car. Um, yeah. But also, that thing of like, oh, what, what's Paul going to say? Is yeah. You know, the, the, the... I was worried that they were going to be annoyed, but they they really weren't, and they they were actually really supportive and helped helped out with covering my costs. To be honest, um, which was really. It took me aback, actually. I wasn't expecting that, and I really appreciated that. And then, of course, we came to do the second gig, the Cambridge show, which was really nice. But, yeah, apparently there was a heckler that said, I don't know, you know, probably something along the lines of, shut the fuck up, get off the stage, or, you know, I, something like that. I didn't hear him, thankfully, and I'm glad that I didn't because I lack a filter in those situations, and I probably would have gotten thrown out myself. Uh, Just stage diving, yes, so yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, like, let me add in. Um, I actually would have been but it's bad, really. But yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's something that unfortunately a lot of support acts, particularly women, and I think if people experience it, but you know, it's fortunate I didn't hear it because. I went on to enjoy my performance and enjoy the rest of the night. So, yeah. yeah well, that's Through that about. guy, whoever yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, and if you listen, don't listen anymore, dickhead. Yeah, exactly. Right. Stop it. You're not allowed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I have two final questions for you before you go. And this has been so lovely hearing about your process yeah. and your music career to date. And you know what? Let's If we're all still doing this in 20 years' time, let's catch up again. Because what's to come, <laughs> what, you, what you haven't yet created is even more exciting. I know this. But yeah, I have two questions for you before you go. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life. It can be the jam the, to look at terror on your face the jam the style council or solo what are you going to go with well do you know it's got quite a small discography so uh, yeah. <laughs> there's not a lot to choose from <laughs> yeah there's not a lot to choose from <laughs> um okay i think i'm going to pick you're the best thing um yeah i think i'm going to go with that because i you know i i love what he's done solo i love what the jam i love the style council i think i think you're the best thing is probably just because it, it, it hits me from, you know, my own experience of love. Yeah, it's just a song of pure devotion. And sonically, it's, you know, it's it's in line with what I really enjoy particularly. So I'll go with that one. Yeah. And the video is a vibe as well. It's a whole feeling, the video. You know, it's the kind of uh, bobbing of the heads, enjoying the beat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I was thinking about, right, so if I if I had an ounce of your talent and I could play the guitar and I could sing and I had a great voice and all that, I would be sat at home doing that all the time and but doing songs like I love of other people's and stuff. Have you ever done, in the, in the secrecy of your own home, the comfort of your own home, have you ever played any of your song alongs? I mean, oh, what, yeah. What are you like with that song? Oh, <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, I actually did a cover of that song, Um so I was I was involved in this kind of uh, BBC Radio Wales Welsh Arts Council initiative called Horizons, and it's still going where they support kind of up and coming um, Welsh artists. And the year that I was part of it, they brought us to Rockfield Studios in yeah, Monmouthshire, okay. and um, we we each had to pick uh, a song from an artist that had recorded there. I think I bent the rules a little bit, so Paul had recorded solo material there, but I wanted to do that song, so I was like, oh, you know, it's been he was there, so yeah, you know, it's yeah. him. Um, so I, I, I did that song, and I think it was it was on iPlayer at the time, and that was just really nice. I had to tweak the lyrics a little bit because it was um, talking about being a man, and I'm not a man. <laughs> um, I had to change the lyrics a little bit, but that that was really fun. Yeah, and it was it was in the studio room where um, Bohemian Rhapsody had. Um, been recorded i believe which was which was crazy so yeah wow i didn't know that then yeah. this version is out there somewhere in the ether it is it's in the ether i actually don't know where it is either um all right well this is a mission for people listening to the podcast to find this version though somebody somewhere will have it um that's wicked i didn't know that amazing yeah. okay um right final question on the podcast so you'll know this um purpose of the podcast is for me to meet lovely people like yourself right hear about your stories your career your music and dig into that and i've loved this but it's really for me 
me to get the interview with Paul Weller that I never managed during my radio career. My one big regret from giving up my radio career, so much so that I've created a podcast and we're now in probably, I don't know, probably something like 5,000 hours worth of podcasts or something. Yeah. And this interview still hasn't happened, right? So, um, I, you know, I want to get him into my WhatsApp group. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, <laughs> if it happens, what should I ask him? If this interview happens at the end of this podcast series, what do you reckon I should ask Paul? Um, oh my God. Um, I want to know what football club he supports because I've heard, I've heard rumors that he supports Chelsea. I've heard. Yeah, that's what I want to know. You might, do you know the answer to this? Well, there's a Chelsea flag in Blackburn, and I know yeah. that he was like, but... <laughs> I want to get full understanding about this. You what know, team like, is your team? Uh, Man United. Yeah, oh, Man United, yes. Yeah. Oh, what about you? Chelsea. <laughs> oh, serious? Okay, okay. Do you watch Chelsea women's play ever? Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, better than yeah. the blokes. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, it's not hard to be, to be well, fair. No. Right. And I'd have, do you know what? I'd have, I was thinking about this the other day because we're obviously on the hunt for a new manager at the minute, the, 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 the lads team. Mm, yeah. Um, we should have the ladies manager. She's, <laughs> well, uh, she's a fab, well, I mean, not stealing her from there, but. Yeah, that would be a downgrade, I think. Uh, <laughs> you're I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. You're right. it would be. <laughs> you're um, I actually went to Stanford Bridge the other day to watch them and I was really disappointed with the quality of food there it was you know <laughs> so if you can feed that back okay to, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it in the fan forum yeah but yeah that's that's what i want to know i want to know full clarification who he supports it won't make me th- take a dim view but i just need to know and how much is the support as well i think because that's the thing it's like you yeah know, is it, is it was kind it, of passive you know it's, yeah, yeah exactly. or is he sat there watching champions league on, mm, exactly you know, getting exactly. a bt mobile mm. subscription or whatever for the easy sports <laughs> subscription just for that <laughs> hey look um this has been so lovely chatting with you Nia. thank you so much for your oh, time you. and uh, really look forward to digging into whatever comes next thank you so much thanks for having me my thanks once again to Nia Wynn for joining me on the podcast. Do head to the show notes on my website, paulwellerfanpodcast.com. Not only have we got all the details about that song they created together, Turnstiles by Nia Wynn, produced by and featuring Paul Weller. Plus, I found it. Nia covers the Style Council. You're the best thing. Live from Rockfield Studios. All the details in the show notes for the podcast. We've created a Spotify playlist of my favourite songs from Nia 2 and loads of videos, links to Bandcamp and all that stuff. PaulWellerFanPodcast.com. Just head to the show notes for this episode. And don't forget, whilst you're there, you can head into my store. We have all the official podcast merchandise in there, including T-shirts for the summer, your shopping bag, your official podcast mug and pin badge as well. Head to the store on my website. And whilst you're there, you can also buy yourself a virtual coffee if you fancy it. It gets you a shout out on the podcast. Hello to Mark Josling, who's done exactly that. Hello, Mark. Hi to Simon Cartledge. Hi, Simon. Lovely to meet you the other week in person as well. Hello, Martin Glover. Thanks to you for your virtual coffee too, sir. Hi, Grant. Thanks to you for your support. Hello to Alex McLaughlin. Hello, Alex. Thank you so much for your support as always. A massive thank you to Martin Morrow. Hello, Martin. Hi to Brian G. Hello, Brian. Hi, Mike Steer as well. Thank you to you for your virtual coffee. Cheers to all of you for your support. Really appreciate it. Find out more details, paulwellerfanpodcast.com. And don't forget, you can get in touch on social media. You'll find me on Twitter, at wellerfanpod, or on Instagram and Facebook, Paul Weller Fan Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.